For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Good Play. evening and welcome to another episode, Come On You Spurs, and not just any normal episode, our 100th episode. So a massive achievement we've reached there and obviously, as you can see, joining us tonight, We'll introduce him in a second, but we've got a very special guest joining us. The man that started it all. The man has to, to take the blame for what you get on a weekly basis. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go around the room and introduce everyone as normal. So we've got the full crew. Ryan, how have you been, mate? How's your week been? Some big yes. news with the announcement of a third, a hat-trick quarter on the way. Yes, a hat trick of daughters. No sons for me. It's all right. I, I'll have I'll have three superstars playing for the Tottenham women, so we're all right. <laughs> we'll be fine by that. Don't worry about it. But no, glad to be on the hundredth episode tonight, especially after two big wins for the club as well. So can't wait to get started on this one. Excellent, mate. Excellent. And joining Ryan as always is Patrick. Patrick, how have you been, my man? How's your week been? In what's been a brilliant week as a Spurs fan? Exactly. You don't even need to ask me how my week's been. You already know it's been amazing. I was at the North London derby. The atmosphere was electric. Every fan gave 110% and we could feel the ground buzzing. I just wanted to say to Ryan, don't worry about not having a, uh, well, having another daughter. We've already got one Sonny and he's the best in the world. <laughs> Everyone's adopted son. <laughs> yeah, that's Brilliant. It, and joining Patrick as well tonight, as always, is Jacob. Jacob, how have you been? I see you've recovered from your party, birthday party with your cousin who hasn't spoken to you since as a Liverpool fan. Yeah, well, he spoke to me, but it's not about the game. It's just one of the ones I think he'd rather forget about that, you know. But it's, uh, yeah, I've been good, man. Uh, nice couple of results, including the Liverpool one. Couple of clean sheets, even though they were nervy clean sheets, especially the Burnley one. But that's the same we'll talk about. But apart from that, yeah, can't can't, can't complain. Life's good, football's good, up until ten o'clock. Excellent stuff, mate. Excellent stuff. And the man we've all been waiting for, as you can see, as I say, the man who started it all. And we have to thank for the channel we've got, Dan. Thank you for joining us on our one hundredth episode. How have you been? Dan's in the perfect place as well. At the moment, he's up in Newcastle, so he's an adopted tune for tonight. How have you been, Dan? Good to have you back. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be back. It's nice to be, um, I guess, giving rubbish answers than opposed to asking rubbish questions. But um, no, it's good. Yeah, everything's good. A great week for Tottenham. Obviously, it could be an amazing week. Give it a couple of hours. But, um, you know, we can only do what we're doing at the moment. But yeah, life's great. Um, up, up in Newcastle at the moment. So it's kind of a weird script for myself, you know, being a Spurs fan in Newcastle while watching Newcastle play Arsenal you get the idea so yeah it's, it's just really exciting so um, happy to be on the show and happy to chat all things Tottenham brilliant stuff brilliant stuff so before we get into all things Spurs and the games let's do some social media links as you know guys give us a follow on YouTube at coys.com we're on Twitter and at coys underscore dot com the guys have all got their Twitter handles on the screen. So give those guys a follow and they've got some brilliant content that they knock out for you there all through the week. And as always on the audio platforms, we're on all the major audio platforms and we'll be with you hopefully early tomorrow morning that you'll get your notifications. So that's not hang around. Let's get into it a little bit. Dan, I'm going to start with you as uh, being our special guest. What did you make of that performance on Sunday? Was it what you expected? 
was you nervous? Was you pleased with the performance? Or was it a worrying performance? Uh, I think it's what I expected because there's always going to be an actual drop-off. I think a multitude of factors that, A, the Arsenal game was so high in terms of performance that to do that again would have been quite hopefully an ask. However, you know, a midday kickoff on a Sunday, no one really wants that. But, you know, Burnley have every right to play how they did. Of course, they've got to try and stay up. So they're never going to be open playing attractive football. That's just not their, their MO. And, yeah, it was nervy. But I think getting that goal just as we did before half-time settled the nerves a little bit. If it weren't for Pope in the Burnley goal, it could have, it should have been two or three. So I think, you know, at this stage of the season, needing what we need, you take a win however they are. I don't think anyone really could criticise how we play. And if you do, you are kind of sort of losing sight of what we need. It's kind of just get those points on the board and just see where we are, really. And hopefully a favour happens elsewhere. But all in all, I think, you know, six points from two matches in the past week, perfect from that front. And I don't think you can ask too much more. No, definitely not. And Patrick, I'm going to come to you next because obviously you're at the North London derby. And I think it's fair that we can all say that was probably the game that made the new stadium feel a little bit like home, wasn't it? The atmosphere is the best we've seen. Everybody talking about that atmosphere. I've even had some Arsenal fans come to me after that game and say, listen, got to give you boys credit because that atmosphere and the build-up to the game was something special. But it was always going to be hard to kind of even attempt to try and replicate that and know that going into that sort of fixture next it was never going to be that same atmosphere, was it? How, how did it feel in the ground? Did, was it? Could you notice a massive drop-off or did everyone try to keep their spirits going and keep that atmosphere at a high? Yeah, it's a great question because um, the Premier League did us dirty and they did Burnley fans even worse. I mean, 12 o'clock kickoff on a Sunday, it's criminal. And um, it didn't need to be that early. There's so many of it. They could have put it later on in the day and it was a really quick turnaround for us. And, you know, obviously we didn't want to moan coming off a massive high, uh, beating Arsenal. The, the stadium did feel, it felt more homelier than it would on an early uh, fixture or early kickoff. So um, everyone knew the task at hand. We knew we were, we all had to get behind the boys again and give it another go. Of course, you're never going to get that same uh, tenacity because there were so many factors riding on that game. First North London derby, the stakes being so high, both teams pretty much neck and neck, and there was no way we were going to let them come and celebrate Champions League football on our patch. So it was a completely different story. But no, to be fair, the atmosphere was really good. Um, we started really brightly, but then obviously we kind of faded away, got the penalty just before half time, And then in the second half, for whatever reason, we kind of sat back and let Bernie come on to us. So there was a few moans and groans and a bit of edginess and tension. But to be fair, we were always in the game. Nick Pope was probably their man at the match. He kept the score respectable. So... Yeah, we got behind the boys and uh, and to be fair, we got the job done. A bit nervy at times, but another clean sheet and obviously three points, like Dan said, is all that matters at this point in the season. So you can't really ask for that. Two games, uh, two clean sheets, four goals. We'll take that all day long business end. Definitely, definitely. And Jacob, I think we said before the Liverpool game, didn't we, that I actually was happier playing Liverpool than I would have been if we'd had Burnley because mm -hmm. it's just one of them games you know is going to be difficult. So do you also think, was you worried about the fact that coming off such a high against Arsenal and such a good performance where we could have had even more, but you know we managed that game really well, was you worried that, well, this Burnley is going to be a lot tougher test and a lot different game, you know, a team that actually come to kind of nullify what we can do? 
was you worried about that performance? And, and as the game started going on in the first half, was you thinking, oh, this was exactly what we was worried about and why Liverpool was sometimes a better opposition to play for us? Yeah, because um, when you play when you play teams like Burnley, it's always it's always patterns, isn't there? It's like when you play batten, uh, teams like them that got the low block, you kind of say to yourself, well, if we score within the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, then we'll open up the floodgates. But Burnley will always set themselves parameters they'll say right if we get into 20 minutes and we ain't conceded then we're on our way to a draw and if we nick a step piece and all the rest of it so you know that's why you could see that Burnley were hard they felt really hard done by because they've literally got to half time we all thought it was half time and then they've gone and give that penalty so yeah you do worry about the Burnleys because they're not really coming to attack they'll only attack when they concede the goal do you know what I mean and it got to the point second half they proved that they wanted to try and score a goal and you know there was a couple of touchy chances where Ashley Barnes hit the post but I felt a lot more confident than I normally do as a Spurs fan. You know, even under Pochettino, you kind of thought, you know, if we're not on on our game and it's 1-0 against the Burnley, they're just going to end up equalising from a set piece because they did threaten quite a lot from there. But overall, I said it on your show before and other shows that as much as I want Tottenham to play brilliant all the time, I'll take 1-0s all the way to the Champions League. I'm happy with that. So as long as the final whistle went and there was no problems, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, definitely. And Ryan, what, what did you make of that performance at the weekend? Did that second half worry you? Or do you think there was an element in that second half of sort of just managing the game? A bit like the Brighton one, you know, we got caught out against Brighton, didn't we? Maybe not managing it as well as we should. So do you think we went in thinking, let's just manage this and see this out now, make sure we don't slip up again? Yeah, you have to, don't you? I mean, like Dan said, there's, there's going to be a hangover from the Arsenal game of the crowd were absolutely outrageous in that North London derby and the players to a man played brilliantly as well. So there's going to be some type of hangover. The game plan's completely different. You're going up against an Arsenal team that will come out and will attack you and give you a bit more space. Whereas Burnley, they went five at the back, two up top. They tried to play us at the counter-attack system. So it's, it's, it's a completely different game. I was... Obviously, since Romero's been out, I've worried a bit more each game, knowing that we ain't got him at the back. So that was a worry. But no, the lads did the job. Obviously, we had a couple of scares, which you're going to get in a game, giving silly set pieces away. I think at one point in the second half, I think Sessegnon gave a free kick away in an identical position to where they scored from in the game they beat us at Turf Moor when um, Ben Mee scored. But it's... If you want Champions League football, these are the type of games you've got to win. You've got to play dirt air. You've got to be scruff there. You've just got to keep your concentration levels high. And everyone seemed to do that. Like I say, them type of games, we've seen a Hugo Lloris error and he came out and caught the ball quite a lot. It was actually very good, that game, at coming out to collect the ball. But usually, sometimes, you see some of them where he comes out to catch them and either drops it or it's a bad punch and... The ner- that's just him nervous, but everyone to a man, again, like say, following that massive game against Arsenal, it was the last home game of the season as well, so it's nice for him to go out on a win like that, parade around with the fans afterwards, so that's all we need, that's all we'll need for the Norwich game as well, concentration, keep keep your discipline, and then like Jacob said, hopefully, even if it's a 1-0 win, you take them to the road to the Champions League all day long. Yeah, so Dan, I'll come to you next. Obviously, in the first half, we had a lot of the ball, a lot of possession. It was a, a, almost an, a 
you know, defense versus attack sort of game. Yeah, we were always trying to open them up. And obviously, one thing we know Spurs always struggle with is trying to find a key against those sides that kind of sit deep. Was you getting worried as those minutes ticked on that you're thinking, well, you know, we've almost had, you know, a lot of the ball here, but we, you know, we'd had created a couple of chances, but we weren't creating chances at will. Did you think the goal was going to come? And was you starting to think the longer this goes, the more worrying it gets for us? Yeah, I think when you're watching that game, anything, I don't know, over half an hour, for example, when you think, well, actually, we haven't got that goal yet, kind of balance of positivity starts ebbing away. And I just feel that nothing was quite clicking. Now, I know a lot of that was probably down to Kulisevsky being ill and on the bench. We didn't quite have the same fluidity in the front three. You know, Lucas Moore has a steady hand, but he's kind of just head down, run, not causing the same kind of problems. And you just kind of thought it's getting close to half time now. And all oh, no, like it's going to be, one of those days, you know, for use of a better word, Thursday. But do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, you would have thought, typical us, you know, after beating Arsenal so impressively on Thursday, you then thought to yourself, here we go. You know, we only need a win against Burnley. Oh, yeah. Go on, we only need a win against Burnley. <laughs> so, so some DIY in the background there. But, um, yeah, just the, the sense that we needed a win and then you get the feeling it's not quite happening for us. Admittedly, there's still 45 minutes to go, but then admittedly, we got a huge dose of luck, you know, just before the interval with that extended set of um, minutes and what was it, four minutes added on through injury time, and then we get the penalty. Yeah. So, you know, people bemoan the fact that it was a, a light, soft penalty, but they are the rules, you know, they weren't the rules 15 years ago, but yesterday wasn't 15 years ago, you know, it just it is what it is. So, if it was against you, you'd be absolutely fuming, but I think Tottenham fans have, you know, whether you make your own lock or not, I don't know. But just you just have to roll with the punches. And I guess it went our way in the end of the first half yesterday. Yeah, Patrick, let's talk about the penalty quickly. Because Burnley were really upset about the awarding of that penalty. But obviously, we know all too well, don't we, about some, some handballs. You know, Champions League final, um, you know, home game against Newcastle before when Eric Dyer gets a judge to have handballed. I actually was a little bit surprised of how upset Burnley seemed to be because when a defender goes up in the box nowadays with your arm up there, you are asking for trouble, aren't you, nowadays? So what did you think of that penalty decision? Because I actually couldn't understand why Burnley seemed to be so outraged by it when you look at the replay. It's like people want to be outraged for the... You know, like these days, everyone wants to be angry about everything. And um, by the <laughs> level, it's a penalty, man. The guy, Ashley Barnes's arm is way outside of his body. He made his body or he made, you know, his uh, circumference a lot larger. Uh, Sanchez, ironically, just flicked the ball on. It was much ado about nothing in terms of what we were trying to create from that. Uh, and it blatantly hit his arm. It's a handball all day long. And of course, you're annoyed if it's your team that concedes that. But it's a penalty, man. And we've had so many decisions go against us. Like you said, Champions League final was the massive clangor. Suzoko pointing where he wants his man to go. Mane uh, blatantly boots it on his arm on purpose. They give it. Um, Lucas Moura, who remembers the one where we scored against Sheffield United? Sheffield United, yeah. Harry Kane scored after <laughs> Lucas Moura got fouled in the box. They booted the ball onto Lucas Moura's back. It ricocheted off, went to Kane. Kane slotted away. We go up 2-1, only for VAR to roll it back to 1-1. We end up dropping points and drawing that game. Like you said, Dyer versus Newcastle and the dying embers of the game. We're 1-0 up. Uh, Dyer's back was actually turned to the ball. 
I can't. I think Andy Carroll had, I headed it onto his arm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. He had no idea where the ball was. They give a penalty. Callum Wilson scores one-one. They actually then go back and look at the rules and kind of change it up after that. But it's too late by then. We've already been, you know, aggrieved by that. Uh, and then even Romero versus City this year, that was quite harsh. Romero sliding on the floor, the ball hit his arm, um, mm-hmm. handball in the box. They give a penalty. So, you know, people will want to make all these excuses. Ironically, it's Arsenal fans now saying that we get all the luck and all of this noise. But we've, <laughs> we've been on the wrong end of the stick so many times and people forget that. They only want to remember like, recency bias, these ones. So it was a handball. It is, you know, it. we are lucky in a sense of it's one of those things that came out of nothing. But we were on the ascendancy. We were attacking them. We created the issues. You have to ask, uh, make the referee, you, you have to give him a, a job to do, give VAR, VAR a job to do. Handball, Harry Kane then has to step up. And penalties doesn't mean instant goals. We've seen with Man City, look how good they are. And they struggle to convert. Luckily, we've got pretty much the best penalty taker in the Prem. Harry Kane steps up. He can go either way, up, down, you know, middle of the goal, top bins, either side. And he slots it away. And thankfully, that was enough on the day. Yeah, Jacob. So, like I say, that penalty come at a perfect time, didn't it? Because the second half showed that with all that dominance, we weren't able to break them down. And the second half performance kind of showed that, well, I think if we'd gone in at nil-nil, we probably might have come out a different animal in that second half, knowing we still needed to get a goal. But that penalty, I mean, was you confident soon as Kane steps up? Because I remember Thursday night when we got the penalty, I said to my dad, soon as we ref point to the spot, you go one nil, here we go. Brilliant, brilliant for us. He said, oh, don't talk too soon. But when mm. you got Harry Kane on penalties, it, you may as well just go straight to the centre circle and you know, not, not bother with a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just the truth though. It's like it's weird though, because I'm a bit like your old man. Even though you know Harry Kane's going to score, I'm still there going, "Don't you know? Don't let this be the one." Do you know what I mean? Because you know we've had some. There's been some great penalty takers over the years, but then they've ended up missing that one. Do you know what I mean? So it's just one of those where you, 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 once it goes in, you're just relieved because I'm thinking there's no more. We can all regroup. We did pray pretty well in spells in that half. You know, it's mad when you look at the stats that we had. 21 shots and sits on target because personally it didn't feel like that. It felt like we had dominance in the game, but it didn't feel like we did a lot. And there's a reason why Nick Pope got man of the match. So it's one of those where you, ideally, I ain't going to lie, when it got to half time, I thought just Nick, what, get, get one more and then we can manage the game properly. But maybe this is a new Tottenham to look forward to because we're managing a lot of games quite well. You know, Burnley, they had a lot of set pieces. They were, you know, they were taking free kicks from the halfway line and stuff. So they're difficult to defend. And you know, when Liverpool equalised last weekend, you know, the first thing I'm thinking is, oh, here we go. They're just going to go one, two, three, and then that's me pissed off for the weekend. But we managed that one as well. So I think we're doing a lot to manage games because even like you alluded to with the Arsenal game, we were freeing it up. I wanted 10. Do you know what I mean? But it was just like, it, it gets to the point when you look back at it and you wake up in the morning, you think that was the best thing to do because although Arsenal pretty much didn't have a chance, it's about winning the game, managing it properly, and making sure everyone comes off unscathed. Yeah, Ryan, I mean, it's it's been a question, hasn't it, in the last few weeks with Son chasing that golden boot that would Kane give Son penalties? And I think we saw the reason why everybody perfectly says, not a chance, you don't take Harry Kane off penalties. Did you at any point, was you worried that was going wide? Because I think when you're watching it on the telly and he struck it, there was a little moment where you thought, mm. oh, I think, has he possibly dragged this wide here? But when you look at the replay, 
that is, you know, no goalkeeper is stopping it when it hits the side net just before the post, is it? Oh, no. he's. Um, I celebrated as soon as he points to the spot in both games. I was celebrate before that, before he's even walked up to take the penalty. He's, he's just ice cold from that penalty spot. And like you say, the last two penalties he's taken have um, been against two keepers who he is in England training with. So he practices penalties against those in training. So you saw Ramsdale go to Kane's favoured side. Kane slotted it in the other corner. Pope waited down the middle because Kane seems to fancy that at the minute. And but that just just the way it crept in that corner, like I said, Pope could have been stood at that side of the goal and still would have gone in. There's absolutely nobody saving that. And like Pat said, he's the best penalty taker in the Premier League. I don't think there's anyone in Europe better than him. At penalty. I think that's 21 straight penalties he scored now. Obviously, the last one mm-hmm. he missed was at the only one he game. missed was at Hearts. I think. Oh, yeah, well, he missed one at Liverpool, and then Liverpool, the one before yeah. that was against Hearts on his debut in the Europa Cup. Yeah, he's just he's, he's, he's missed no a couple. Better. He missed um Southampton, didn't he? He missed one at Southampton when it bobbled up. Do you remember? It bobbled up and he skied it. We had the goal oh, kit. Oh, with the David that. Beckham sort of one, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like and then David was, Beckham. Uh, yeah, you're right. And oh, West Ham, but he missed, but he, but he followed up and scored. Yeah, he followed. That, that still counts when you follow up. Hey, Jacob, chill. I remember these things, man. It's the 100th episode, Jacob. What's up? It's the 100th show. Stop bringing up that. <laughs> yeah, chill, like chill. This, Jacob. What's up? We are. <laughs> I'm just stating facts, man. <laughs> Jacob never feels comfortable. I don't think Jacob's <laughs> ever felt comfortable. Even at three up and on Thursday, he was probably worried we were going to lose four. No, no, no. That's it, Dan. Obviously, the second half performance, it, it wasn't the sort of performance we thought we might see in that second half. We could never really get going, could we? But Conte said after the game that this is a different Spurs now. And, you know, the Spurs team I took over probably could have got a draw out of that or even, you know, potentially something worse. But this Tottenham side under him now won't 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 lose a game like that. Can you see a difference in the side now from the side that Conte took over? Oh, absolutely. I mean, who couldn't? It's like night and day, isn't it? I mean, even a blind person could, could see the difference that um, with the team that Conte's taken over because... Yes, you could probably moan the fact we didn't get a second or a third and it made it nervy, but that is probably counterbalanced by the fact that we are a lot more secure and solid at the back. And although Burnley did huff and puff, Tottenham were equal and more so to everything that they threw at us. So, as Ryan rightly says, Lloris had a great game, you know, collected everything out the air when he needed to. I mean, you look at Davison Sanchez, it's always a bit of a, when he like gets selected. <laughs> but in fairness, in the past week, he has stood up and been counted. You can't ask for anything more from him. The back three have been solid. As a, as a unit, look at the wing back, you know, Sessignon's coming on leap and, leaps and bounds. I know he's not the finished article and he's kind of, you know, he has two good games, one iffy game and it's kind of back to sort of where we are in terms of would you rate him or not, but he's consistently better. Even Emerson Royale, you know, getting any tune out of him was unlikely even, what, four or five weeks ago. So I just think, yeah, we are, we are so much better. And I think sometimes people overlook the, the lack of goals in the game, I think it's a bad thing. But if you do defend and keep a clean sheet, then as we've kind of sort of agreed that one nils are just as valuable at this point of the season. I know goal difference kind of helps as well, but at the end of the day, three points might be enough to get us over the line. So I think all in all, great performance. Yeah, I want to, Patrick, I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about a couple of players and I'm going to ask you about the first guy because... He wasn't everyone's favourite, and I think even at the start of the season, there were still a few doubters. But I think his performances of late 
have kind of meant that we don't have such a problem area that we need to kind of fully go for in the summer. And that's Eric Dyer, because I have to say, you know, with Romero being out at the moment, at what could be the most the worst time to potentially pick up an injury for Romero, given the games we've got coming up, Eric Dyer's season, his end, he has been phenomenal over the last month or so, I would say, isn't he? Leading that back line with, with Romero, making sure that, you know, the team are, are not open and wide and nice and solid. He wins a lot of stuff in the air. His passing has been a lot better. He has kind of played himself into that side next season where now Conte doesn't have to think about possibly two centre-halves coming in in the summer. What do you think about Eric Dyer and his performances recently? Yeah, I mean, I think he's been amazing and um, he's definitely one of our unsung heroes. There's a few and I'm sure the other guys will touch on some others. But yeah, for me, he's been brilliant. And I was saying it a week or so ago about Eric Dyer should definitely be in the England squad. And at first it was met with a few hiccups, but then when I, or, or giggles, should I say, but then when I actually started breaking it down and you say he's in better form than Maguire, he's been better than Maguire all season. John Stones doesn't play enough as, or as regularly as Eric Dyer, but obviously Man City have a much better supporting unit around him than, than he does. Uh, you've, got the guy, you've got the guys at Everton, um, who obviously Eric Dyer's had a much better season than both of those centre-backs. Uh, Tyrone Mings, how the hell is he in front of Eric Dyer? And even <laughs> Con even Connor Cody, Eric Dyer for me is a much better centre half than him, and he's performing in a team that is actually you know doing well, playing for something. And he's like you said, Carl, he's been instrumental in that. Um, when when um when the news came out that Romero was out of the North London uh, North London derby, it sent tremors and shockwaves through the whole of our fan base, and we were all. I think that was the only time I was worried. I was so confident going into that game. Nothing but a W, nothing but three points. But Romero being out, and he kind of kept it on the hush. There was a few little murmurs, but most people didn't see it coming. And that shook me. And I was like, shit, for the first time, I was worried that Arsenal might get something out of this game. But to be fair, Davinson Sanchez, after the first 10, 15 minutes, he looked good. But I think it's because of Eric Dyer's calmness around him. And as you said, Carl, when he's on the pitch, he's pushing everyone up. He's shouting and barking orders at people. He doesn't let anyone get complacent. And above all and beyond all of that, he wins his aerial battles. He's reading the game a lot better. You're not seeing him, you know, getting um turning off and people running in behind him. He's not getting twist and turn defensively. He's just become a really good defender, if I'm being honest. And I, I don't want to jinx it, but yeah, um, long may it continue. He definitely has been one of our players of the season. 100% should be in the England team. If he isn't, so be it. Maybe he needs that hunger to keep him going because sometimes players, when they do get that nod or selection, they can kind of like rest on their laurels and think they've made it again. But so far for me, he's been excellent. And um, yeah, there's definitely other areas we need to address before him because I think he's been fantastic. Yeah, definitely. And Jacob, the, the next player I want to talk about, and, and I actually think this season he has been a real unsung hero because there is nothing, there's no thrills there's nothing out. There's nothing extraordinary. He's not your Romero steaming into tackles and geeing everyone up. But again, the last month or so, I think this guy has played himself into being around next season, and that's Ben Davies. Ben Davies doesn't go in the summer, does he? Although he, we may need to replace him as a centre half and bring another centre half in, he has made sure that he's again another player that you're actually thinking, I don't think we get rid of him this summer now because he could be a really good backup. It's a sign, it's a sign of a good coach because, you know, if you look at our back line, for instance, against Burnley, we can all agree that 
you know, at some point in the season, we wanted all five of them gone this summer. So for them to all be playing in the defence and keeping clean sheets, two games in the spin, you know, Ryan Sessegnon, Emerson and Ben Davis. You know, Ben Davis, I used to always say, why is this geezer playing? But then I always used to say to myself, if you're back three, in the position that he's playing now would be good, but Tottenham will never do that. And then Conte's coming in. He's been brilliant. You know, it's wicked because... You struggle. It's, it's very hard to get left, left-footed uh, centre halves in these day and age. You know they're special breed at the minute, and he's just slotted in there nicely. You know he's had a couple of shaky moments, but they haven't cost us. Um, considering there's a lot of times when he's played as a left back or a left wing back, it's problematic for him. So I have to hold my hands up. You know I'm one of those people that if I've cussed a player out, but then they've turned their, turned it around and played really well, just like Emerson Royal, I hold my hands up and say fair play. You know so. You know, as long as he can continue it, wouldn't sell him. It'd be a good, you know, if we do find another um, centre-half or Conte thinks we need one better, then that's for the coach to decide. But I would keep him in and around the room because no matter what competition room, we're going to need people like Ben Davis just to step in in certain games. Yeah, definitely. And and Ryan, uh, you know, like we said earlier, when that news broke on Thursday that Romero was out and Davinson Sanjib was coming in, I think, as Dan rightly said, uh, everyone kind of, that was like a real punching the gut, wasn't it, just before the game and got everyone really worried. But again, like with yesterday, Davinson Sanchez didn't do himself any harm in these last two games, has he? You know, come in, been solid, moved the ball around well, won his aerial duels, won some tackles. We haven't seen that rashness from him in those two games. Again, what a time to play two really good performances and possibly a third coming up at Norwich. He did well, didn't he? We have to give him credit for the two performances he's put in as well. Oh, yeah. Like you said, you have to give him all. I see two straight clean sheets with, like Jacob said, never mind the wing-backs, but a back Frida under Nuno. We all used to be fuming when that team sheet was announced. <laughs> when any of those three were in the side, you used to be upset. But he's coming. But like I say, you, put it, you could put it down to having Eric Dyer next to him at the minute because he seems like a different animal just lately, like Patrick said, he's commanding, he's hungry, and any 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 slight mistake in the side, Eric Dyer will bark at you in a positive way, of course. He won't it won't be a Lebo Yakiran Dyer situation on the pitch, but he will tell you what needs to be said. And Davinson seems to uh thrive off a bit of confidence with someone next to him. And when you look at it, the season we've had, when you see Davinson and Emerson as that right-hand side of the defence, you do get a bit nervy, obviously. Burnley have had Maxwell Cornet, who was up against them at the weekend, who's had a phenomenal season for Burnley. So you do worry with a bit. But when you look at someone like Sanchez, he's he's got it all as a footballer. He's, he's someone that you, you look at, he's good in the air, he's quick, he can tackle, he can pass, he can move with the ball. He's someone that, when we signed him, he's brilliant signing to have in your team. He's young, he's still got a lot to learn, but I'd say it's just not worked out for him. And when Romero went out, you think to yourself, oh, God, this is... As soon as Romero went out, I got in the WhatsApp group with Jacob and a few others that we do a show with and was ready to change my prediction. I was going to go from a win to a loss without Romero. That's nothing on Sanchez. I think that's just down to how great Romero's been for us this season when you take that out from the other but if we go to the last game needing a win and we've got to keep the same back three you've got to stay confident with him all, all five of the defenders plus Lloris have kept two important games for the team now so 
if Romero is only half fit, don't you don't have to bring him back in. Leave the lads to finish the season strong. Like I say, they're all playing for the future still. Conte obviously won six, seven, eight signings, so he said. So the lads are still playing for the future. So if that's what's keeping them going and keeping these performances up, so be it. Let them crack on. Yeah, so, so Dan, I, I want to come to you now and I'm going to ask you each, and it's going to be a quick fire here. I want a quick fire answer. You rightly said earlier, Dan, Sessignon has really come on this season, and especially in the big games, when you consider recently, you know, uh, uh, Man City, he played really well and kept them quiet defensively. At Anfield, he came in and kept Salah quiet. You know, again, against Arsenal, he has a really good performance. And yesterday, I want to ask you, quick fire, who are you getting rid of in the summer, Sessignon or Regulon? Regulon, good answer. Patrick? The same, Regulon, definitely. Jacob? The Spaniard. <laughs> and Ryan, are we going full house? <laughs> yeah, Regulon every day of the week. Just wanted Hello. to clarify. Go on, Dan. Can I add, do we have to get rid of one? Because ultimately, if you get rid of one, we're kind of back to this kind of not enough competition for places. Is it the fact that Sessignon feels like he's playing for his first team place at the moment, he's finding an extra level, and then it might be a bit of then he gets in the first team, might get a bit complacent, switching for Reggie on. Like, I don't think it's as black and white as just selling one, because then, God forbid, if we get an injury... Well, I'll, I'll we've caveat we've that, Dan, then. Let's say, in my opinion, because I feel we probably need an upgrade in both wing-back positions. So right. let's say we go and get a left-back and you're going to get rid of one of them. You're still going for Regulon to be gone. Because I, I ultimately still think, although Sessignon has done well in the last few weeks, I still think we probably need a little bit more quality in that position, the same as the right wing back. So let's say we're going to bring one in, and then you've got to get rid of one of either Sessignon or Regulon to potentially play backup or be a challenge for the first team. Is Regulon still that guy you're, you're pushing out? Yeah, on the assumption that we, it's still two left backs at the club and we get someone in, then yeah, I'd tell Reggie on. But, you know, I wouldn't be. Say if it got to August the 30th and we hadn't got anyone in, you'd keep the two. But if, if it was a case of too many cooks and all that, then get rid of Reggie on back to, I don't know, Real Madrid or something. Yeah, perfect. So, OK, that was enough about the Burnley game. So, this, we're going to move on to our Norwich preview. And then after that, we're going to come to the big game that's taking part tonight and get everyone's feelings and then go from there. So Norwich away, last game of the season. Patrick, are you feeling confident that no matter what happens tonight, are we getting a result on Sunday? Will we have too much for Norwich? You know, yes, it's going to be their last home game. So there's probably going to be a bit of a decent atmosphere there. There could be top four on the line. Are you confident that we go away to Carrow Road at the weekend and, and put in the performance that gets us the result? Yeah, I, I am really confident. and I don't want to be disrespectful to Norwich because they're still a Premier League team. And obviously, any team on their day can cause you all sorts of problems. Pookie, they've got some other players there that, you know, on their day can, can, can do some damage. But realistically, we've come through the hard tests, beating Arsenal, making sure that we didn't lose to them. Uh, so that, well, making sure that they didn't win, sorry, on our ground, otherwise all of this would have been done and dusted already. And then the Burnley game was always going to be the tougher game. Um, they come to camp and just like, ruffle feathers and, you know, nick a win. We've got through both of those. So we've done the hard bit. Now we just need to be professional and finish up. Um, I do see us winning. I hope we win by quite a lot. Hopefully somebody gets one or two so we can get that golden boot. 
Uh, and we just need to do our job, man. All we can do now is do our job. Hopefully, we, you know, Arsenal drop points in their games, but we just need to focus on ourselves right now. Yeah, J- Jacob, are you confident that we go to Carra Road and see the season out on a high? Do you think this is a potential, could this be a potential banana skin game? You know, do is there the fear that a bit like when we were going to play Brighton at home, everyone kind of, I think we kind of took Brighton a bit too lightly. Do you think mm-hmm. there's a situation here where this could be a banana skin game and we have got to make sure that we don't go there just thinking, well, it's Norwich, it's Norwich away, we'll do this, it's done and dusted, as good as a win. Well, well like with Tottenham Hotspur, there's always a banana skin, isn't there? It doesn't matter really who you play, but um, I, I think I, I'm confident we'll win the game. It just, I'm just hoping it, you know, it means something and... I'm kind of praying that Newcastle win today because then we go to Carrow Road. Not, you know, not saying that I'm scared of Norwich, but the only need we only need to draw, don't we? Do you know what I mean? So, if anyone, if you're going to Norwich and you take one nil, you'd feel like okay. If we take the lead, Norwich have got to score two to be the most, you know, for it to be a miserable day. So, I'm confident we'll win that game regardless. You know, as much as Norwich um, are going to want to play for the fans and stuff, they, you know, they just haven't had the quality all season. You know, they've got a couple of players that might find themselves in and around the Premier League. But generally, they were a championship side that didn't invest and they do it all the time. So they're used to being up and down. Um, I'm just hoping, like the boys said, that Son can get a couple. Um, we can have a nice day and keep Delia in her cage. <laughs> and Ryan, how are, you, how are you feeling about this game? Is there anything that concerns you with this Norwich game away? Or do you think that their season tells you what they're about? Their goal difference tells you what they're about? And as long as we go there and play our normal game, we see that one over the line and get the job done. Yeah, no, I'm not nervous. I mean, it's like Pat said, there's going to be a party atmosphere. It's the last Premier League game of the season at home for them. They're going to get relegated. But if we can get an early goal, it'll go from Vegas party scenes to Skegness party scenes. It will drop <laughs> that quick. And I think once if we get an early goal, we could run riot, especially. We, I, don't, I, I know, like you say, we we've underestimated Brighton a bit and maybe thought, oh yeah, just, we can get over the line here. But games like that under this manager we've got now seem to benefit us in some way because you, you feel like he's not going to allow that to happen again. He's, he's drilled into the squad, those type of mistakes and that lack of intensity you've got to show. Because like, like the lads have said all night, every game in the Premier League is difficult. Of course it is. You're, you're a Premier League team for a reason, whether you're relegated now or not. They've, they still want to finish the season high, but no, we if especially if the result goes how I feel it will tonight, then we've got a great chance and Son's still chasing that golden booty. That that would just top off a phenomenal season for him. Kane or Kane loves to score no matter what team you are, whether you're Premier League or National League, he, he wants to get on that score sheet anyway. The lads, I think Loris is one away from his record amount of clean sheets in a Premier League. I think he's level with his record on 15 at the minute. So one more gets him to his record since he's been with us for Premier League clean sheets. So as much as you say players don't think about records like that, they do. Everyone wants it. And if we can get an early goal against Norwich, the the fans will quickly go into championship mode next year. I think the manager may make a few changes, keep out players who he knows wants to leave in the summer, maybe give a few young players a chance in the game who could feature for them a lot next season. So everything's in our own hands, like always, Carl. We've we've got to play our own game against them. 
and get the win that we need. Yeah, Dan, obviously with Salah picking up that injury in the cup final and obviously the sort of the game Liverpool got the Champions League final, I'm not sure whether Liverpool are risking in their last couple of league games. So do you see Son being able to get that golden boot? I mean, obviously he probably would have been disappointed not to get on the score sheet this weekend and put himself at least level or maybe one in front. But can you see him being able to open Norwich up and get those couple of goals? Could this could this be like Kane one, you know, the season at the King Power when suddenly, you know, Lukaku thought he was getting that golden boot and Kane goes and gets four in one game? Yeah, it's got that kind of vibe to it, hasn't it? I mean, the fact that Mo Salah has gone really quiet as of late. Was it two goals against Manchester United in the league in the past, what, I don't know, seven matches or something? Yeah, something like that's that. right. So yeah. re- really gone off the boil when Sun has just quietly been knocking on the door, you know, ones and twos here and there. So just look at the trajectory of how they've been doing over the past couple of months and the opposition at the weekend. I know Liverpool have also got another game to play, but as you mentioned, he might not even be fit for Tuesday, let alone um, available to play or risk. So... Obviously, there's a lot of bias with us being Tottenham fans. But, yeah, why not? Also, if you're a betting man, there's a bit of value in backing Suns. So, whether he would be given a penalty, I doubt it. Because Harry Kane wants that Premier League record himself. <laughs> and he's not sharing his goals anytime soon. But, with that said, Spurs have got to win regardless of what happens on Monday night. So, you know, they're going to be in the mood for goals. And with that kind of extra bonus, if you will, then I guess, um, yeah, why not? You know, back, back, with, uh, back our Sonny. Yeah, Pat, Patrick, what's your feeling on the golden boot? Do you think Son's going to get it? And as Dan's touched on there, let's just say we are winning the game to say, 3-0 and we do get a penalty. Could you on that game possibly see Kane saying, well, actually, if you need one to kind of win this golden boot, did you then at that point see Kane giving a penalty up? I see a lot for, of people... for his mate, for his mate, you know, his best friend. Yeah, I see a lot of people shaking their heads, but Son and Kane have a really good partnership on and off the pitch. They're like really good friends. So in that sense, yes, against Bayern League, with it nil-nil and we have to be yeah. professional and win the game, no, no chance in hell. You want your best penalty take, yeah. taking it. But if we're two or three nil up and it's cruise control, why not? I don't see Kane being greedy enough. Kane's not in the running for the golden boot or anything like that. Of course, he wants to break all records and he still will. I mean, he... I think he's on 16 goals now this season and this isn't a bad season. So, you know, um, yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't. Hopefully, Sonny will get a, a few in open play anyway. Um, but yeah, we just need to, you know, we just need to be respectful of Norwich and just not, like Jacob said, have one of those moments where everyone's expecting us to win. We expect to win before we've even done anything. And then we end up going one or two nil down and then we're chasing our tails just to even get a draw. Um, we've seen that happen so many times before, not just from Tottenham, but anyone. So even um, Man City um, had to, you know, scramble 2-0 down at half-time against West Ham. And who would have thought that? So we just need to respect the opposition. But as long as we do, I see the goals flooding in. Jacob, will Wilson get that golden boot, do you think? Can you see him getting the goals in this game to get him? Yeah, I think so. But he's going to have to do it in open play. I just Harry Kane's the sort of person, his mentality is so different that... He'll probably go into this Norwich game thinking, you know what, if I score seven, it's mine. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's that type of character, man. It's, I don't think... I don't know. It all depends. You know, if it's a party atmosphere and, you know, let's say if Newcastle win today and we need to draw the game and then it goes into, like, you know, the 70th, 75th minute and we're 3-0 up, let's say, then he might give it to his mate because you'll get to the point where, you know, you give him the opportunity to do it, especially 
when it looks like Salah ain't playing. But um, I think he'll get a goal though. You know, if he gets a goal, then at least he can share the share the accolade, which is um which is still great for him because if you look at it, the way he's played this season, bar the goals, everybody for a long time, the Spurs fans were moaning about his performances and him not being the son of previous seasons. But so for him to do that in a season like this and score 22 goals, you never know what he can do next season. So it bode well for him generally in his career, bode well for Tottenham and bode well for everybody next season. So I think he'll get it. All he needs to get is a goal and I think he'll do it. Yeah, Ryan, I mean, even if he gets one and shares that accolade with Salah, given the fact that he doesn't take penalties... You've got to say that that is an in, that would be an incredible feat, wouldn't it, for a, for a wide player in one season? Oh God, yeah, it's, it's the way he's played. And like you say, we've been on this show previous Mondays talking about how uh, quiet he's been in a game, or he hasn't looked like himself. Yet yeah, he still managed to get up to now twenty-one league goals for the season. And like you say, no penalties. He's, He's had a tr- and I think he's gone what seven, six or seven assists as well. So he's still contributing in that area of the game. I mean, the penalty thing. The only reason I say no is I don't even think Sonny will ask Kane to be. Honest. I don't. I, you don't. You just don't seem that type of person to actually go up and ask him. I think he just he just cracks on with the game and has enough confidence in himself to get the goals he needs in the first place. But like you lads have said, Kane and Son are. I mean, you saw Sonny walking around with. Kane and his family at, at the stadium after the game the other day. And we know how good Kane is on the ball. So, you know, Harry Kane will still be looking for Son. Every time he gets on that ball, he'll be looking for a sunny run. He'll try playing through every chance he gets. So, so he, he will get I'm confident he'll get it because I don't see Salah playing now. I think they'll rest him to the Champions League because I think the league's done now with <clears throat> City four points clear. I know Liverpool's got a game in hand, but you can't realistically see City dropping points at home to Villa. So I don't think we'll see Salah for the rest of the season now. So he will. And like I say, if he gets an early goal, then his confidence will be absolutely through the roof. And that's only dangerous for Norwich. If he's chasing something like that and he gets an early goal, hopefully we don't need a penalty to win the game. Hopefully we don't need a penalty for him to get the golden boot. But like Jacob said, a season like this, it can only bode well for us next year, especially if we had some quality around him and Kane. Then it only bodes well for us for next season. So let's go for some predictions then. I'll start with you, Dan. What is your prediction for Norwich away? Um, Norwich are always good for two goals conceded. So I'll reckon it'll be yeah a 2-0 win for Spurs. It won't be a blockbuster afternoon, but yeah, that'll do. 2-0 for me. Patrick? Um, I'm going 3-0. 3-0, Jacob? I was going to go four. <laughs> I'm optimistic Mr. these days. <laughs> Mr. Non-confident earlier on, he's now, we're 4-0, we're winning 4-0 party atmosphere. I like it. I think it's a 4-0 for the North London derby. Oh, I like it. See, I like that confidence, yeah, Jacob. Yeah, Brian, prediction? Uh, I might as well not stop. I mean, we've had a two or three and a four, so I'll just go five. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it going. Right I'll, I'll say five nil and four goals for Son. Yay. So, uh, yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, I'm going to say I think I think this will be one of those typical Tottenham days, and I can see Norwich nicking a goal and giving oh, us a little yeah. scare, but then we win it three-one comfortably, and we get the job done. And that leads us on to what's happening tonight, and that is possibly I don't think they know it yet, 
But this is Newcastle's biggest game in possibly the last three or four years. And I, but I don't think they actually know it. Um, yeah, I mean, the Spurs are the only team that know this. Dan, how are you feeling about tonight's game? Is, is, there, is there a confident feeling up there at the moment that they can get a result tonight? I think there is because obviously there's still a disparity in the league between the two teams. But, you know, Arsenal, it's all about how deflated they are going to be after, after Thursday night's drubbing at the hands of us. So, looking at their defenders, they've actually got Ben White and Gabriel at the back. So, it's not the kind of worst-case scenario that many expected. I know Gabriel went off during the, the uh, North London derby. Maybe just didn't fancy the last half an hour or not. I don't know. But you kind of then wonder about Arsenal's aptitude, really. The, the desire. Obviously, they need a win. So, I don't know. It's kind of... We don't want to fall into the trap and assume that it's done and dusted and Newcastle are going to do us a favour. But at the same time, you kind of think, well, maybe it is written in the stars that the way it's all kind of just panned out over the past week or so. So I'm confident, but again, it's kind of nothing's done yet. So it might give us a massive boost. But even if Arsenal do win, I think you've got to take into account that Everton have got to play yeah. Crystal Palace in midweek. Now, if Everton need something to play for on the final day, then that kind of changes it even more. So if Everton, say, beat Palace, and they're safe, then Frank Lampard's going to put the deck chairs out at the Emirates, won't he? You know, he'd love nothing more than to bugger yeah. Tottenham up rather than keep Everton up. You know, he'd rather see Everton relegated if it meant um, <laughs> to Tottenham. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's kind of one step at a time. Like, we've beaten Arsenal in the North London derby. I'm confident, but we shouldn't be overconfident of Monday because, obviously, Arsenal's still a good team on their day. And, you know, if they do win, it's not the biggest of surprises. But I think it's a case of, you know, Everton... If they are in danger and peril for the last day, then it kind of almost tilts the balance in our favour a little bit more because then you're sort of thinking those two teams have got to play each other with something to play for for both and we've only got to play Norwich. So if even a draw would be great tonight, but I've got a sneaky feeling Arsenal might just do it. Mm. Yeah, Patrick, I mean, the one thing that we need to look at, and they have answered this question a couple of times, but do you see potentially the pressure on that young side? Because it is a young side Arteta's got there and they have had points where they've answered that question quite well this season. But is there a chance after that beating on Thursday that that could really kind of have knocked them confidence-wise? I mean, Sakar hasn't been the player he was for a little while now. Do you think the pressure could be getting to them and could tonight and a strong atmosphere there cause them and get them a little bit nervy? Yeah, I mean, because of all the podcasting stuff that I do and that we all do, I know quite a few, um, you know, uh, real like Newcastle fans that go to the stadium, go to the games, and they're up for this. They said they they want enough. Newcastle in this transitional period where they want to prove that they belong with the big boys. You know, they're talking about a top eight, bringing Leicester involved, included in that, and themselves. Uh, they want to show that they can hang with all the Tottenham's, the Arsenal's, the Liverpool. So technically, they have nothing to play for, but they're playing for their pride. Uh, the fans want to really make this uh, a massive blockbuster moment and, a, you know, a, a big home game to go out on. So they're trying to pre show that they belong. They know that they've been in great form this year at home. Eddie Howe's done a fantastic job. And the only reason why they are now 14th instead of higher up is because Eddie Howe took took them on when they were in a massive relegation scrap. So um, I'm just hopeful that the guys do turn up. Technically, yes, they have nothing to play for. But we just hope that they're professional. They play with some pride and some passion. And um, this Arsenal team, they're going to have to answer a lot of questions. They got completely battered on Thursday. We saw Gabriel limp off. He's back fit. 
Ben White wasn't risked to start. Even when he went down to 10 men, you would have thought Arteta would have brought him on to short the defence. He didn't want to risk him. So questions had to be asked is how fit are both of those centre-backs? So we're hoping that the guys can get at them and really test them. And hopefully, you know, something may happen, something may ping. Uh, and then, you know, they've got a makeshift midfield. Uh, the the left-back Tavares isn't great. So we're just hoping that, yeah, there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered. Saka, again, hasn't been great for the last two months, if we're being honest. So they they not, they they have to get a, they have to get a win today, basically, to put it back in their hands. So there's a lot of pressure on them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, Jacob, and as Dan said yeah, yesterday, that, that Everton result couldn't have gone any better for us, could it? Because at a certain point, when that game started and they got an early lead, you thought, oh, this is really bad news because another win here today for Everton, and that probably would have seen them relatively safe and for feeling a lot more confident, especially if they can get a result in the week as well before that last game. But that result just keeps them in the mix. And as Dan said, even if Newcastle don't manage to pull it off tonight, you've still got a hope that Everton might be able to go there and give Arsenal a game on that last day, haven't we? Yeah, yeah but I'm, I'm, it's one of the ones I'm resigned to the fact that if Arsenal win today, it's done because Everton ain't won a home. When was Arsenal they won away? I think they've won one away game all season. And, you know, I, I, get, I get that, you know, they need to win that last game to stay up, but they've needed to win the last sort of 10 and ain't really won many. So, it's one of those, you know, as much as I hate to say, Arsenal, their fans are going to be bouncing on that day, especially if they beat Newcastle. And they'll be looking at it thinking, you know, we've been here before where it's on the last day and we've always been on the back end of it. So they'll just be hoping for another one of those. So for me, they need to drop points tonight and I generally think they will. Yeah, Ryan, how are you feeling about tonight's game? Do you think Newcastle are going to do us the favour that we desperately need and suddenly turn us all into Newcastle being our second club going forward? <laughs> I do I, I do see a draw tonight. I can I can see him drawing tonight. Like I say, I know we've spoke about Norwich having a party atmosphere, but the season Newcastle have had to get the takeover and completely clear themselves of relegation under Eddie Howe under that I think they're fourth in the form table since January, I think it is. So they are playing for something. Like I say in all they play every single player they've got, probably Bar St. Maximan is playing to stay there next season and hope that the board can decide some superstars for him to play with. So they've all still got something to play for. It's going to be a sellout at St. James's Park. I've, I've seen some stuff on Twitter today of flags. Well, if you see it now, I'm, I'm looking yeah. at it now and it's TIFOs galore at the moment at St. James's. Yeah. So it is, they, they are making it a special atmosphere, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's what we want. They also, they are, they also are under pressure now. And like you say, they've, they've got a very young squad who might not be able to handle it. We've seen our young squad under Pochettino, the, some major parts they fell. And, and like you say, it's, they've not experienced anything like this. What, they've done eighth in the last two seasons, not challenging for Champions League or any anything like that. So they will feel the pressure, especially after our win yesterday. So if they do win tonight, then fingers crossed for an Arsenal lasagna gate on Sunday. Let's see, if, <laughs> let's see how they feel about that, shall we? <laughs> Brilliant. Well, guys, I tell you what, we're going to end it there because obviously this Newcastle game is about to kick off. So I know we all want to go and watch that and cheer the tune on. Um, like I say, I have extended an invite to Ant and Deck that if Newcastle win tonight, I'll give them a roast dinner <laughs> with all the trimmings and on Sunday and as much as they can drink. So I'm just going to, we'll just do it and wrap up and say thanks to the guests. So Ryan, thank you again for another great um, performance and we'll see you again on Monday. 
Yes, definitely. Obviously, thanks for having me on again, Carl. Thanks for Dan for promoting me to first team all those months back on the uh, podcasts. Obviously, Pat and Jacob love working with the two of you. So let's just hope for the uh, Toon Army to do us a favour tonight. Yeah, and Jacob, another sterling performance. And you'll be back Monday for the potentially last one of the season talking about games. That's it. And I mirror what Ryan says. You know, I've only been on with, with Dan once, but uh, you know that was enough for me to get on the show and get the exposure that um, I, I could get and work with you guys as well. You know, I'll work with you lot continually. I've worked with Ryan more so than everybody else. But yeah, nice to have me on and he'll be looking forward to next Monday as well. Perfect. And Patrick, as always, mate, another sterling performance and you'll be back Monday, hopefully. Yeah, definitely back on Monday. Dan, great seeing you again. Uh, Great to catch up with you and looking forward to working with you more next year. And I've just got three words for us all. Howie, the lads. (laughs) (laughs) And Dan, thank you for coming on tonight, mate. And like, as we say, you know, this is the 100th episode and, you know, you are the man that kind of started it all. You brought me on, you brought James on and, you know, we had some bumps in the road, but we managed to continue. We built up the Coys podcast and it was great to get you back on again. And hopefully, who knows, maybe again in the near future, you'll come on and discuss all things Tottenham with us again. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure being a guest, uh, something different. But um, I feel like Johan Cruyff has come sort of like podcast disciple and I've given, <laughs> given everyone their, their big break. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> next season, I love to sort of drip, uh, dip in as a guest every now and again. So keep a seat warm and hopefully I'll be back soon. But uh, Carl, you're doing a great job. You've taken on the baton. And uh, yeah, here's the many more episodes. Here's the next 100. And come on, you Spurs. Brilliant. Thank you, Dan. So that's it, everybody. We're going to let you go and watch this game. And I, like Patrick, just want to sign out with a come on the tune. (laughs) For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.